Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 330 and I had a conversation with Brayden Kuhlman. Brayden has managed to get a lot of living in her 50 years. She's been a personal assistant to the stars, counts legendary songwriters as her close friends. She was cyber-stalked before anyone really knew that that was a thing. She's traversed the globe several times over. She's a blogger and a photographer. Brayden and I had a great conversation. We hit it off so well, and the, her life is fascinating. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to you hearing this episode. Looking for older episodes of Hey Human? Great news. Apple Podcasts now shows all the episodes as well as uh, Blurby.com and, of course, HeyHumanPodcast.com websites. They all have episodes from the last six years. So, yay! I think some apps only do 300 at a time. So, if you want to deep dive and check out the early the early years, <laughs> definitely uh, find them in those places. In other news, check out HeyHumanPodcast.com for links, as I mentioned, to learn more about my guests and the show. Uh, go to susanruth.com to learn more about me and please follow Susan Ruthism and Hey Human Podcast on social media. Also, please check out my new relationships and sex show, Are We There Yet? with sexologist and healthcare practitioner Mara Edelman. It's on YouTube at youtube.com slash are we there yet podcast show. This episode deals with some serious topics including abuse, so trigger warning. And if you or anyone you know is in danger or you suspect someone is being abused, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. And I'll also put that and the many international helpline numbers on heyhumanpodcast.com's link page. Thanks for listening. Be well, be love, help each other out and spread kindness. All right, here we go. Brayden Coleman, welcome to Hey Human. I know, so happy to finally make this happen. I know, it's been a minute. You've been traveling, I've been traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Shout out stoked. to Tad who well, introduced Tad Davis. Yeah, my very Tad. first guest on Hey Human was I know, Tad Davis. I listened to that and I was just like, whoa, this is my man. Like, I know this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually, we interviewed <laughs> two times. The first time. Yes. Uh, he had some choice words to say about uh, where he was living in the government that <laughs> ran the country that he was living in. And he, yep. and then he called me and he said, I think I said too much. Can we redo that? Sure. That's fine. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know about that bit. Pretty that's funny. That's really funny. Yeah. Well, I remember him, like, running for mayor of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and and then... He told that story. T-minus afterwards, yeah. And then he's like, uh, I announced... I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm out. He has quite the story. Anyway. Yeah. But that's... He has more balls than I do, is what I like to say about it, because I've never committed to living in another country. I just yeah. visit as many as I can. I mean, I think different strengths are different folks. It's fine. Yeah. You know? So it's all good. Anyway, thanks, Tad, for the intro. Woohoo! Well, welcome to my humble abode. Mm, Thank you for I'm being... I'm already so in love. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, yeah. As I was saying, I'm like, oh, I walked into an art gallery, one of my happy places. Yeah, I am. I like, I like art, and, and it makes me happy. And I like art that, as I was mentioning before, that friends and family, and or maybe you're on a trip and you pick up, mm-hmm. even if it's something little that makes For you remember sure. the thing or the moment. Yeah, all about it. Yeah, a lot of. Uh, I've been doing a clearing, so I'm on year 16 of minimization of my 
storage unit that I took on in 2006, and it's um that thing is like an albatross, right? Storage units full on, but I yeah. haven't paid rent in all that time, and so That's, it's my rent, yeah, which is a lot cheaper rent than most average person, Absolutely. unless you live in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> flashback to other people, yeah, and so yeah, but it's uh I'm down to that the nubs of like art, and I just just totally like released 49 boxes of books. Wow. Girl after my own heart. Yeah. And so I've kept, I've gotten it down to five. I only let myself keep things that were signed to me. And then just like six extra books that I couldn't part with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, vinyl, VHS, DVD, CDs. And I found a few rando laser discs that were still wrapped. Uh, So all that's been donated this summer. And then art, art is next summer. Art's going to be slightly harder. Where are you from? Where'd you mm, grow up? Born and raised in South Kakalaki, uh, South Carolina, also known as. And my parents, not Southern, though my mom was born in Nashville. But yeah, I was raised in South Carolina, but we did a good bit of traveling from birth to age seven for me overseas. My dad's a university professor, but was taking sabbaticals and writing books. So we were in Germany and we were in what's now former Yugoslavia. And so I definitely had my like wanderlust legs. And I seem to only have one sibling, a younger sister, most gotten most of the DNA for travel. She enjoys it, but she has not like, gotta see it, gotta do the world. How many countries have you been to? I don't remember right now, but I'm not near done. Not at all. Have you hit every continent? Definitely. Hit every continent, but not, I think, maybe 55 countries was a lot, but it's not nearly every country. So yeah, it's definitely kind of a bucket list thing. And yeah, it just, there's something in that. My, I definitely go back to my dad, and my mom was a really good marriage they're divorced now but a really good marriage for him in that like culturally interested wanted to know other people's real stories and so not even like intentionally but just who they were so we would have you know a visiting professor from Egypt or you know so and so from China and for a small southern blue collar farming town in upstate South Carolina Chapin's where I'm from that was not the norm but to me it was the norm because that's just how our family was what an exciting childhood pretty crazy awesome yeah it set it set things in motion that of course as usual with life right you don't know what's happening until it's happening and then hindsight's been continuous 2020 for me so i dig that definitely at this age now being 50s and so yeah when did you Firstly, you don't look in your 50s. Oh, God bless you. How old were you when that started? Uh, meaning the travel leap, that mm-hmm. real bug. So it, it the, the travel fairies chose me more than I really latched onto them. So the shortest version of there's dark side to this, and that's I love to talk openly about these things because I often am a story, you know, like speaker in the just personal sense for the worst things in the world will bring you the biggest gifts. And in this case, it was a failed intimate romantic relationship that honestly, in hindsight, going back to that, I knew two months and I had no business in. And flash forward eight years later at that point, really ended poorly that 
was involving court cases and it was a stalking situation and LAPD and California District Attorney and cyber laws, cyber stalking laws, which it definitely overlapped a lot with that, were not on the books yet. And, but it forced me, I was living in my favorite place in the LA area, which is Venice. I'd been there for a long time. I had like one of the best jobs in the world with Dennis Hopper and his family. I mean, I was felt like I was kind of on top of the world. Like you I really ass- found a groove. Okay, ass- sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you were an assistant. I was a personal assistant in publicity for him. I love him. He's, May he's he rest. I know he's, he's. Yeah, I got him in his teddy bear phase, is what I like to call it. Um, really amazing soul. And I'm still close with the members family. of his family. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm getting teary. No, okay. I love it. I was like working in a museum every day is uh, what I was like being in their He's presence. a legend. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's a, I can genuinely say that, you know, like, oh, I've worked for an icon. I've worked for a legend. Like, it felt weird. It took me a while to be able to, like, own that and just be, like, talk about it that way. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a, oh, such an amazing soul. But, yeah, so I was, I had this job and I loved my apartment and all these things. But then this really bad situation and breakup was happening. And so what really kind of came to a head was the moment I remember when LAPD was like, okay, so here's our best recommendation. You either go into witness protection or so it was you super serious. Bail on Los Angeles fast oh. because it was just getting really darker and stormier. And witness protection, I really thought about it for a while. And then I was like, somebody needs to break this down for me. And obviously, who wants to change their name and like give up all their friends and, and their whole world? And that to me just felt way too dramatic. And not my speed anyway. I'm a social butterfly. Definitely in my older years, it's introverted in moments as a kid. But the real point to that is that I was very sad about the whole situation. But what ended up making sense was we're like, how do we do like a light version of this? I mean, I say this playfully now. How do you do a light version of anything dark? But uh, it was safe housing. And so I left my job. I left my apartment. I put my stuff in storage really quick. It was all happened like within like 24, 48 hours to my memory. My aunt and uncle, who live way east in town, uh, came and got my stuff and put it into storage. You know, I told friends a couple days before that who were close to me. I was like, hey, if you can get here, there's certain things, any furniture, rugs, all that stuff, like walk out with it. Just leave it because I don't have room for it. It's like leaving a war-torn country. It was pretty crazy, yeah. And so, but it launched this interesting, like, life experience. And I had gotten a call from a girlfriend in India, East Indian girlfriend, and she was going through a rough moment, ironically. Had no idea what was happening with me. I had no idea what was happening with her. And she just called to like talk about it at the time. And then she was like, hey, my dad's giving me this trip. I haven't been traveled in my country in like 18 years. And I heard this like other part of me say, well, what if I came with you? I had no idea where this money was coming from that I was talking about. The plane ticket was the only expensive thing because it was India. And so I, that was my first thing is I bounced and I went on a trip to India for a month. And that in itself re-engaged like something in me for sure. And that was 2006. And I came out of that experience like needing a place to stay. And I, one of my best girlfriends in LA was getting married in 2007. So I knew I was coming back for being in her wedding. And when I did that, so that in between, it was like holidays time. So I pieced together staying with family. And then I came back to LA. And then one of the girlfriends, 
who was wedding and she was just like why don't you just stay at my apartment and take care of my cats nobody will know everybody will think you left so I was like cool and that was only like two weeks and during that two weeks on her bookshelf being a huge book fiend that I am was Eat Pray Love <laughs> so I like totally read that more than once and I was like wow I am really identifying with a lot of things going on here and then that girlfriend put me in touch with somebody else. So I stayed in LA a little longer than anybody knew. And you had and read just Eat, Pray, Eat, Pray, Love, Love after visiting India? Yeah. So you came back from India ready to totally. Love. Oh, yeah, timely, very timely, interesting crazy. Interesting, quinky dink. Yeah. Interesting, quinky dink. And then it just started bouncing around safe housing. Took a job with an international entrepreneur who was not the healthiest job that I hadn't had work in a while the recession was happening because we're now we're like 2007 going into 2008 era worked for him only lasted about three months before I was at least wise enough to bail on that job I'd had a few other jobs in the entertainment industry for really tough people I'll use that word PC wise and um, had learned a little bit at that point but basically just took on this lifestyle that when I first started it with that girlfriend for those couple of weeks, I was like, I'm not going to last more than two months in this kind of lifestyle. I love my place. I love decorating my place. I love my things. I love my art. I love my books. I love my friends. I love my neighborhood and all this. And in hindsight now, sitting with you, it's so funny because I'm like, yeah, I love all these things. And I love that I'm now 16 years later from that going, yeah, but I love that and I can go to it anywhere in the world. Yeah. So it's I, like flipping the paradigm. I feel like you can choose to look at it two ways. You can look at it, I've let go of all my stuff, or you can say, I have the most valuable art in the world and it just happens to hang in museums all over the yeah, world. I sure. I have beachfront property. That's exactly They're just everywhere and I can walk in any beach I want. I you yeah. know, there's yeah. if you if you change your focus of how everything is, suddenly the entire world is yours. Do I want to be in a hotel this week? A five star hotel? Or do I want like a little bungalow in the tiniest seaside town that most people don't even know on the tourist track? How do you make your money on these? So adventures? that was one of the bigger things was it took me it took me more years to try on the career arc of this than it did the travel arc of it. So the travel arc, it was like, so I safe housed for about, you know, I don't know, in total it was almost six years of like really keeping myself on the move for my safety, for my mental safety, because as things started to wane, and he still exists, and every now and then he pops back into my universe and hacks and finds me again, and because he's, and he, not just me, he does this with, he's got a pattern. Um, but back to the positive side of with me that arc of our career like how do i build my career to fit this like because i'm really digging this this travel thing but yeah you have to you need money to do it even if you do frugal travel which i've done plenty of and for me pre-remote work culture that covid introduced the whole planet to that for me became a conversation of engagement and because i didn't have a history of boundaries with work or intimate relationship clearly with my explanations i it was it was a test to having a voice it was a test to like how do i go into career interviews asking for what i would like well what does that even feel like like that i have a say in this right of course i should but i didn't have that patterned 
And so it became just trying. And I bounced through a lot. I mean, my whole career has been a lot of things because I worked in the entertainment industry predominantly. And that is freelance in nature. So even if you get, like I had periods of time, I worked with Oliver Stone and I was there for like almost four years with his company, but it was project to project. So it was freelance, but I just happened to get lucky that he was doing back-to-back work until he took a hiatus or somebody else. Like it just, it always varied even in freelance. So, but then going into this kind of more avant-garde boho, I call it gypset, like gypsy jet setting lifestyle, I really... I had to formulate that I could do all different things. So for me, sometimes I would be in LA and I'd have enough like house sitting, pet sitting or staying with friends or family where I I did commercial production. I'd never worked commercials. So I'd work TV, I'd work film, I'd never work commercials. I was like, well, let me do that. So in my 40s, for example, I went back to PA work because I couldn't get into commercial work any other way. But for me, it was fun. I just didn't last very long in it. Like I lasted just over a year because I was exhausted. Like being in your forties and working 16, 17 I was hour days. Say, those are long makes my stomach churn as I'm talking to you right now about it. Like I look back and, and I was like, nonstop. I don't oh, think it's nonstop. Yeah, you're totally moving. It was fun. It reminded me of things I missed because I missed being on set. I love the creative. Mm. I I do really well in production crew environments because of the social and banter and I knew it like I knew it like the back of my hand I could do it in my sleep but it wasn't great for pay and it wasn't for other things though I would have people pull me forward like assistant directors who were just like hell are you doing here as a PA like you should be directing you should be producing and I was like oh I know so how do you help me out with that (laughs) and they were just like well fast tracking is a whole different thing and I realized that I'm like I could come back into this and I'm gonna have to find my people or I need to break out and do something else so the last breakout moment I had was in 2012 and a friend was in town, a British friend, and introduced me to Julian Lennon. And we just hit it off and became friends and hung out for like, yeah, <laughs> hung out for like a few months. And then that friend came home one day, the friend that had introduced us. And he was the husband of a girlfriend of mine at the time. And he was talking really weird. He was like, I, I want you to meet with Jules doing something else. And then the wife, the girlfriend was just like, hey, well, wait a second what are you trying to do? Are you trying to set her up with him? Like, what is happening? And he's like, no, Brayden's really good at helping people when they don't know what they need to do. And long story short, out of that, like Jules and I had this very, really great kind of seminal meeting because we'd just been hanging out, like I said, as friends. And he was like, I need help. And so I had an opportunity for the first time in my life to say, I don't want to be anybody's assistant. I don't want to be your assistant. I can help you find a great assistant. That's my history. I do that really well, but I'm going to be really bored and really upset if I do that for anyone still. I need to use my brain. Like, I want more out of this. And so I propose managing. And not my top skill set, but something that I felt like I had a lot of gusto for. I want to dig into this. And so worked with him for five years. So that was the last time, like, I had a full-time contract job. And since then, I've done little things. Like, I'll do a six-month job and... Last one I did for that was a gentleman who was working with the, he had helped get elect 
the president for the Republic of North Macedonia in the Balkans, but they were wanting to do this annual event that they had not had because of political strife in a while, but they wanted to plug and play VIPs into that. So he hired me for six months to help pull that off. And just whatever I can get my hands on that's using my brain more, but then taking all this myriad of wild, completely off the charts, but you know, just dappling in different areas of entertainment. Like, how do I use those skills, but not doing it in a way anymore that just isn't without intellect, I guess, maybe. I'm being like, I don't know if that makes sense. It just makes sense. And also, I can't wait to read your (laughs) memoir, firstly. And secondly... That's funny that you say that, too. My aunt would appreciate that. Shout out to her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And Julian Lennon's album, his first album was one of the first. I I bought that one. Oh, and we're, I'm talking album, album. LP. I know it's what you my, mean. I know exactly. My, well, I'm going to take there. a picture so I can send it's, it to Jules. And so <laughs> that I leave. and uh, and ACDC, Let There Be oh, Rock, yeah. were my like two first records. <laughs> Talk about a juxtaposition. That's awesome, though. And, oh, and a Shaka Khan through the oh. fire. And you know what I love about this, Susan, is that literally yesterday was donation day, like four or five, whatever it was, and I stumbled across in the bottom of a book box about 10 vinyl and it was cheap trick oh yeah and it was sean cassidy oh yeah let it on and it was duran duran it was michael jackson and it was olivia newton johns i know i have friends that went that was the last night i saw jules because he had his album released that day from his new album jude is amazing off the hook by the way that's a little shout out to him because it's so good but yeah i have friends that showed up same night to see him at a bar and they were drenched because it poured rain at the Duran Duran How cool would that be? I, that's what I said. I was like, you guys look all so hot, like rocking into the bar, just oh, like yeah. dripped in like wet. There's nothing better than, <laughs> than a rock concert in the rain. Seriously. I saw Fleet- Depeche Mode years ago for oh, me. Oh, so good. I saw Fleetwood Mac and the pouring down oh rain. Oh my gosh. With Stevie just witching out. Oh, it was so good. Like blushing as we're talking. So good. Yeah. They're so amazing. Good. Oh, so good. Wow, yeah. that's that's great. Uh, question. <laughs> Go for it. Six years yeah. in safe houses. Can you talk about that experience? Because I think yeah, for a lot of women especially, yeah, men, bring it on. Men also have safe, need they need do that. too. It's not a one way street. It's not exactly. Can you talk about your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, I the 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 first thing that comes to mind, which is really interesting, is I. The me who is me now and the me who is reflected on this so many times has no marker, no pivot moment, no one thing as to why I got out of that. Because I had a history of, I mean, my joke with myself and my therapist and all the spiritual advisors and all the life coaches and all the people who have helped me through that time. And through the pattern of that time is what I'm speaking to is there's a pattern of my picker being off is the joke that I would say. I just, but I still don't know what that one thing is that caused me to stay in the no is I guess what I'm speaking to. And so that no leading me to even making that like very astute choice for like, sure, we're going to safe house it now, sister. This is how we're going to get through this and like to keep it going And especially, like, my L.A. community is one of my favorite things about life. 
but and not to slam any of that because I've had beautiful conversations with a lot of those people. But this dark person, this energy was really hard because I didn't have a lot of people that came to like my cheerleading support rescue versus every time I remember talking to, I'm going to give a positive shout out to my Southern crew. Like every time I talked to a Southerner at that time back home, they're like, somebody needs to pull out a can of whoop ass and go and fuck him up. Excuse my language. No, and I think they were warranted. They were not unlike LAPD. I remember the LAPD saying to me like, we can, we will go bust a door down, steal all his equipment and haul ass and rough him up. And I'm not saying that they would ever really have done that or be inappropriate. They were speaking to a lesson. There's a lesson in this. How do we make this lesson happen? And I was too terrified. I was like, no, this is a very smart person who will find a way around that to do something even worse to me. So that's why I have to save house. So like I'm kind of the reason I tell that story is like for people who might be suffering a very smart in this case, my the person I'm talking about was really smart mensa smart the guy the guy like super mensa smart and it was a lot of emotional sociopath yeah i would put in that category i would put i mean from a lot of trauma in his life so i mean we all have that and it is what you do with it like right now in real time i'll even say like interestingly i'm part of a book club um zoomy zoom thing Thank you, COVID, for all the Zoom stuff in the world. And we're reading a freaking fascinating book that I would never have thought to pick up myself, but called The Choice. Um, Embrace the Possible, I think Embrace the Possible is the name of it, by Dr. Edith Eva Eager. And it's a Holocaust That's survivor. A, firstly, wait a minute. But I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Edith Eva Eager. I do. Isn't that great? I am an alliteration junkie, so the that first time is and I'm listening to it as an audiobook, and I was like, no, 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 one of them has to be like Ava instead or something like that. I was like, nope. And the minute they said it on the audiobook, I was like, this is for reals. This is like alliteration on steroids. Love it. Isn't that crazy awesome? <laughs> yes. I'm with you. I love that you just had that moment. <laughs> I had the stuff on that. All right. So a book about the but, Holocaust. But yeah, what I'm speaking to is the trauma, and mm. sh- it's... It is a positive book with really intense background and mm-hmm. history and nonfiction about mm-hmm. how do we how do we how do we get through something really evil with any semblance of positivity. And so where I'm really going back to with your safe housing question is I have no clue still sitting here saying this to you. Shh ton of therapy still ongoing because one level of something that bad happened to me just actually all that's doing is unraveling ancestral lineage trauma and all the things which I love this conversation of like how do we rise and how do we repair and why should we and you know what do we make of our lives like what does anybody make of their life what do you choose and I'm the biggest poster child for I don't care how dark it is. And I have met, I do a lot of nonprofit work. I have met things that make my stuff look like freaking toddler nothing. But there's make it it's like apples nothing. and oranges. You it can't compare trauma. That's what her book, that's why yeah. I'm bringing up. It's not about a competition. It's not a race or a competition. No, yeah. it's not. And it's like where you think 
your story doesn't matter or that your person is not like I remember the people that I would sit with in the domestic violence like my domestic violence counselor sojourn locally if anybody is in that LA area like seek out sojourn women's program is if you're a woman men I forget what their their arc of it is because it's all of it but it it helped save my life for sure my mental life and my physical life but I remember people sitting in the room and saying well yeah but he didn't have a gun or he didn't have and I'm like no he just had freaking wits he had his brain he had his hands and did something else like whatever I don't care what your story is I don't care how mild it is if it's on your radar and I'm not also the person I feel like every child on the planet who is in an educational program I don't care how rural it is or otherwise should I wish they had on the docket um the gift of fear book by Gavin De Becker because that also was life-changing for me it's so much about intuition and so you have to trust yourself and my biggest experience has been learning to trust myself and the safe housing to me was regaining a version of that trust it was letting myself realize that almost like we've been talking about again too like my walls whatever I choose them if I choose to pay rent in one place and these are my walls or I choose to buy a house and these are my walls or if I choose to travel the world and live in multiple places for the rest of my life whether they're homes or apartments or you know freaking shanties and you know glamping on the side of some mountain none of that matters because it's me what matters is me who's with me right now because you take your shit wherever you go the temple of god is within thank you ma'am absolutely yeah and so the safe housing was re or maybe initially who knows maybe it's not a re maybe it was an initial as opposed to a reset who am I? Like, where am I? Where do I want to be? So I talk a lot about wants and needs. So positivity and wants and needs tends to come up a lot. And I started blogging just almost like a dare for myself. You went and you mentioned the book thing and my aunt that I was throwing out to used to be in children's book publishing primarily, but she was like, you got to write your story sometime. And I was like, no, I'm not going to write my story because then I have to call names and I still have the NDAs. You don't have to. You can use... And that's yeah, the biggest name. learning lesson. But I started doing Lennis it... Lennis Bopper. But <laughs> We're going to... I'm going to credit you. <laughs> I like it. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. They will never guess. <laughs> but yeah, I'm... Uh, it is a challenge. So, you know, there's all that stuff in there. I don't know. It's just I'm wanting to get the story out there and the safe housing was, it became a, a conduit, like a super highway, a whatever, all these fun adjectives I'm getting lost in, um, a means to an end of freedom for me of like, how do I get my sense of self back and freedom and rebel and like that, that avant-garde, that boho gypsy jepset person I think always wanted like I wanted to be unique I wanted to be I mean who doesn't but some people don't like some people want to go the trend I'm not that girl like I was a tom girl I wanted to be different I wanted to get out um which is so funny because I still enjoy going back to the south and I love being a southerner 
and though I was not a debutante or any of that like kind of more classic southern I love my drawl you know all I need is like a drink in my system even though <laughs> I rarely drink but like you know or play pool or I just need to talk to my sis or family on the phone and it comes straight out I used to get busted on the phone for that like talking to <laughs> talking to my family and I would not notice I don't hear it come and go yeah. but yeah it's all those things yeah my, my best friend is uh, from Nashville and oh like, yeah whenever well, my I sis lives. go back because I lived there for quite a long time yeah. and whenever I go back I notice that my I pick <laughs> it up pretty fast even though I'm I grew yeah. up in the West Coast. Uh huh. I mine a bird out every time I'm around a different accent. Or, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm terrible mimic though. Mm. I'm like I feel like I can do it really well, and then people are like, "You're doing that thing again, Brayden." And you it's don't like, even. I realize. know, but isn't it cute? Yeah, <laughs> you don't know you're doing it. Uh, are you comfortable talking about yeah uh, the domestic violence situation yeah. and <laughs> perhaps how you were drawn in the beginning yeah and then sure. when you knew something was amiss and then how it escalated and mm-hmm. whether it was physical mental that kind of thing yeah happy to yeah yeah I'm a very big open book on this so I appreciate you asking because I feel like hopefully it offers even if one person hears this and makes mm-hmm. a step forward to their better life um so for me in this case and again when my picker was a big deal um mean meaning off I'm going back to that playful line I have a pattern historically for choosing people that I fell in love with who were a bit more eye candy than I probably should be dealing with because jealousy is something that I had to combat a lot like one of my very first boyfriends cheated on me when I was in seventh grade. Um, and there was a pattern established there. And so I was definitely not making choices based on what was best for me. I was making choices based on proving myself. Like I wanted to be part of the popular club. So I wanted to date the men, the boys at that age, obviously, that the girls were after, as opposed to, wow, these are my male friends and they really like me and they're good to me. So why am I not, why am I not into them? So there was a lot of that going on. And so flashing to this person, I was 28 when I met him. I met him on Valentine's Day. I had just left a very big VIP job and it with Sharon Stone, I can say that, and it did not end very well. I was not, I was not healthy in the job space, and so I was already very, very kind of like shell shocked, and I was vulnerable. And I remember a really hard hitting Jersey girl friend who I had just gotten a job at said to be boyfriend's uh, company as a receptionist, gotten her a temp job, and then they had a massive corporate takeover kind of firing thing. This all happened within one week. She was hired on a Monday. She was let go on a Friday, along with a bunch of other people. She called me, and she was so pissed off, like total Jersey girl. She was like, you're coming to this Valentine's Day party with me because you just got me hired and fired all in one week. And I was like, I am not going out. I'm not in the mood. Anyway, she comes to pick me up. I, you know, go out on a bender that night with her at this, like, private house party where all these workers from this company and then all their friends are there. Meet this gentleman. He and his best friend at the time were plying me with drinks. Like, it was just a fun, festive Valentine's Day Eve. But I 
kissed him supposedly that's the last time I remember part of the reason I don't drink sidebar is because I black out it's a historical thing unfortunately few members of my family have this too I happen to be one of the lucky ones I've never been addicted but I blacked out but I don't remember that blacking out means you're not passed out so I'm not asleep yet but I am still conscious but I don't remember any of it and luckily he was a total gentleman the first night I met him he drove me home little total digression just for the sense of humor that I tend to carry with these things. I kept giving him my address, but it was my ex-boyfriend's address that I was giving him, not my address. Thankfully, he found my my driver's license in my wallet after a lot of um, encouragement. Got me home. Go I, for I, it. I was just saying, just for listeners who don't yeah, know, when, when you are blackout drunk, mm-hmm. and as she was saying that you stay conscious, but you're, you have the inability to make short-term memory. Yes, correct. And that's that's why... Thank you for yeah. noting that. Yeah, in other words, so by conscious, I mean I am not conscious. I probably said that incorrectly. I'm prone to dyslexia. Well, but you are you are conscious. You just are, have no short-term... You're not yeah, going to You are not going to remember it. Yeah. yeah. So you are conscious. You, you just, are conscious. You're not imprinting the, yeah. the short-term memory. Yeah, it. correct. And the reason I state that conscious, and it's good for us to go back to that, is that I historically... This started in high school when I would started experimenting with drinking and it my friends didn't know it took us many years to realize I was like this and then we set up a buddy system thankfully for my high school friends like a plus out to them because of that behavior so anyway but yeah this whole scene happened and but he was a total gentleman drove me home got me there even came back the same night didn't know this till later left a rose on my doorstep with his phone number on it he was like please call me and so we started this like really nice dating relationship fast and furious boyfriend girlfriend and just there was a pattern to to make this a bit more succinct there was a heavy pattern of drugs and alcohol and and sounds like some love bombing in there as oh, well. oh sure because uh, lots know, the, of love bombing. A, a rose on the first meeting is that's a a red flag of love bombing yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um which is unfortunate because some people just want to do something nice it's but true but it's hard yeah you gotta be careful yeah and he was easy on the eyes and very charismatic and very intelligent um huge sucker for intellect like throw out to Alanis Morissette for the intellectual intercourse you know that's the quickest way to my heart right there guilty as charged yes. as well uh-huh Big and fan. so so yeah so then problems the jealousy started within two months on my behalf he just uh you know hard hard for me to be around someone who everyone is flirting with my best friends and everybody included and that is just not the right person for me Nothing wrong with the people that don't get that attention, but I don't get that attention. There's also, no- your best friends maybe shouldn't be flirting with your boyfriend. Just, sure, just throwing your, that out there, in too. In your 20s, I'm going to have a pass to people in their 20s, myself included. You are still learning, but, like, yeah, get it together. Yeah, some boundaries so, there. Still some boundaries. I never learned boundaries. Um, not until oh, a little while ago. <laughs> hey, we are all in yeah, the process of learning. we are all, yeah. but, yeah. So, I probably really... The, my memory of when I really got it together because it was just push-pull. Um, we were really good at like having big fights when jealousy, and he had jealousy as well, so we would both have that. But he definitely cheated a few times. I did not cheat. 
that was just a, an integrity thing for me. I've definitely cheated on other people in my life. I don't want to pretend I'm a saint here. Um, but it, it came to a head when I was 35. So you, we can all do that math a good few years later. And I was home for Christmas. And he had never in all the years ever agreed to come home to Christmas to my family. I'd definitely been to his multiple times. And something just got under my skin that Christmas and we had had makeup breakup that had happened on both sides multiple times which is also plenty of red flags people you do that enough and it's like you just don't need don't don't waste your energy as my life coach I'll, I'll give a call out to Brett Costin is one of my favorite humans who's a life coach in the LA area and he had a phrase that is still stuck with me which is no drama unless you're paid for it <laughs> which works best in towns like Hollywood yeah. uh but yeah, it really caught me that one Christmas. And I remember calling him when I was 35 that Christmas and just being like, we're done. Like, this is for real. Had there been any violence, physical there, violence? There had never been any physical violence. There had only been this push-pull relationship. He had cheated a lot of drugs and alcohol. And I will throw in, since I was 35 at that age, at age 31... I, so again, a good four years, I had chosen to stop. I had not been drinking as much. I'd mostly been doing a lot of drugs with he and our friends. But I had stopped doing drugs at 31 and was not drinking, really. Rarely. Like, I would have, like, one or two drinks a year. Are we talking cocaine or... Not cocaine, ironically for me, which is funny because that's almost the first thing that comes out of everyone's mouth. I had multiple other boyfriends prior to him, even though he did use cocaine cocaine who had used cocaine and I had been so put off by it that I had never dabbled in it for some reason cocaine was like it had this little signal in my brain where I was like not my drug um lot of lot of MDMA lot of ecstasy lot of ecstasy acid nitrous even I don't mind calling that like once because I hope this hits home with some people I tried crystal meth once that was that was just messed up um but pot you know, but frequent enough. And Dennis Hopper, I'll throw back to giving hops, uh, not planned. But I remember part of the reason I chose to stop doing drugs was this one day that I took a drive with hops for whatever reason that we were going somewhere to pick something up. And he, um, he had a joint in the car and there was something about seeing that and being around him that like started something going on in my head. And then I had this one weekend, this was in May of whatever, 2001, I guess that would have been. And that weekend after that, to my memory, with my boyfriend at the time and then one of my best girlfriends, all three of us hung out and we got really, really high just on marijuana. And then I got a call from Hopper on a Sunday, very rare that I would get weekend stuff with him. And I remember hanging up that call on a Sunday, like early evening, and having no memory instantly of what the conversation had been. And I flipped out. So I just spun and spun and spun and spun mentally until I got to work Monday morning. Couldn't remember still. And then broke down, practically crying to him. Just saying like, hey, you know, like I know you called me and I just want, I want to, I, I, like just babbling, right? 
And from that day forward, I was like, I'm never doing drugs again. I'm never doing drugs. I can't do it. I can't do it. And at present moment, I give myself a pass and I'm like, wow, if I want to do drugs, good, no problem. Because I've never been addicted to them. Like it was never, luckily drinking, I'm, I, people say I'm a rare personality in that sense. Food is more my addiction in that category. And I won't necessarily go too much into that here to digress us, but I feel like addictions show up in all different ways is what I mean by stating that, but I'm grateful that drugs and alcohol, I didn't need to do that. I say this all the time on the show. You can be addicted to running. You could be addicted to church. You could be addicted to food or drugs or sex. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like everybody has something, but I'm lucky that that for me was a stop. But yeah, that was my, so those four years I had been, the reason I cite that too is I'd been weaning from him just a very slow process. Weaning from the guy. Weaning from the guy. And that just something cracked that one year because normally I could be talked back into it. And he tried really hard. And even with that, because what then happened is when I got back to LA after Christmas is the next few months were a different version of push pull and it was a little bit weirder because I was sticking to my guns on this breakup and he was trying really hard as we had our pattern of winning me back and yet he was still using and and this one day I came home from work I was working with Hopper at the time and I was working out of their house they had a young daughter and so it was like he would show up at the house and then I came home to my apartment one day and something fell off and I had a cat and the cat was like missing, but not missing like outside of my house, but just like had buried itself like under the closet somewhere. And I remember opening my closet door and there was bleach that had been thrown all over my clothes. And then a lot of them were slashed. And I remember at the time, I know it's so intense, right? At the time, I remember going like, huh? I didn't notice any break-in. Like, there's homeless people. I lived three blocks from the beach in Venice. Like, literally, really. I mean, homeless people all the time outside the door, unfortunately. And I remember going, like, how would somebody get in here except for there was a buzzer building? Yeah, occasionally people would let some people in and somebody would be, like, just tucked in the, you know, bottom stairwell. Um, But I had didn't cross my mind that it was him like that was enough of a marker right there for anybody who knew me in hindsight like that would have told me but I didn't know that then but I had enough wherewithal to call one of my best girlfriends and the minute she heard it she was like hey she just kept me talking and then she's like hey can I call you right back and I was like sure and she called me back in a couple of minutes and she's like, I just talked to him. He's on a total drug binge. He's the one that broke in. He just admitted it to me. She's like, I want you to call the police. I want you to file a report. See if they'll come over there and dust for fingerprints just in case whatever. They did. They didn't find any fingerprints, whatever. But that was that was real the real pivot point, which started in motion a long arc of all of the support systems that I had no idea would be happening after that, including the safe housing and the LAPD and the domestic violence unit and the, all the things. Then the girlfriend that I had originally spoken with, she called one of our other best friends, which I did not know at the time had had a stalking case. And she called me and she walked me through some of her history of that. And she was the one that introduced me to Sojourn, this domestic violence unit. And she's like, please call them right away. It's a hotline. Just talk to them. 
So that started a relationship with that person immediately. The stalking went on because it took me, that was, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but it was spring of, spring of, yeah, 2006. And so what happened between, let's call it whatever it was, March, April of 2006, until I officially left LA and left that job for India, that was the top of September of 2006. And there was just an escalation in those months. So because I was sticking to this breakup, but I would still see him. He was so close to all of our friends. We had a huge circle of friends. Is he a powerful person? Is he No. no? He he just is a very intellectually smart person. Mm. Um, Did he admit when he would come off his benders that he had done things? No, not normally. And so even after that moment, that's a great question you ask. The minute he had told that one girlfriend, he rescinded it, right? So like he he swore he, he never said that and he said it because he was high and all those things were going on and it just stocking ramped up. So I would see him like I went on a date with somebody months later and he would show up outside the restaurant and he would often show up outside my apartment. Sometimes I made the mistake of letting him in like he punched a wall. Luckily, he never he physically tried to. I wouldn't call it rape because it didn't happen. But isn't this funny that I'm still saying it that way to you right now? But he tried to have sex with me one time that I let him into my apartment and I don't remember if that was when he punched a hole in the wall or he punched a hole in my couch. Like, he, he, he leaned to physical possibilities. Luckily, never a gun-carrying person, thankfully. Never, like, anything on that level. But just very mentally, mentally not willing to toe, like, a sane mind. And where he really got under my skin that pivoted everything in a whole different direction with LAPD and with the California DA was that he took to his skill set. He took to the cyber world. And in our heyday of drugs, don't do drugs, people. Um, in our heyday of drugs, we did not do, we took a lot of pictures. We had a lot of fun with our groups of friends and so he had these things and then he he built these pornographic websites and he cut himself cropped himself out of them and so it only showed me and i didn't know these were out there for a long time and he made multiple different websites so revenge porn so revenge porn as if i had made them as if i was promoting myself and then he hacked into hopper's computer system and where things took this huge turn was they got filtered out to everybody. So they went out to family, friends, politicians, entertainment people. <laughs> As my life coach, God, I mean, it's so funny now, but it's not funny. But my lifeline, life coach, my joke with that life coach is like embracing my inner porn star, which I never was. But the idea was that here's somebody who's trying to wreck your whole world, right? They're trying to end your career. They're trying to end your happiness. They're trying to end all these things. So what are you going to do about it, right? And how do you create mobility in your life when someone is trying to just shut you down? And I still don't know exactly how that happened. All I know is that making a lot of calls to very professional people and personal family 
and saying, it's not me. I mean, it's me. <laughs> you know you're looking hey, at me. Who hey, among us didn't make a sex tape? I was just getting ready to say, any of you out there who want to do a sex tape? God, I, I watched that thing get erased, though. I was like, after we make this thing, it's this college. I was like, we're going to erase that now. Oh, my God. Well, and I, this is why, I mean, anybody who's hearing this now, we are in a very different era. Yeah. Of how incriminating your life can be instantaneously if you're not careful. I think about what this person would have done with that now just breaks my heart because I don't know if I would have survived it in the same way. Like I got in an odd way, I got lucky that it was as long ago as it was in the internet era. But this person as it was, like they hacked into my LinkedIn account and said that he and I were married. They lacked, and they, he... This is all federal Facebook. offenses, though, so was FBI involved? <laughs> no, this is the sad part. So, one of my best, best, uh, she says with air quotes, but California district attorney meetings was them asking me if I would help them get better cyber stalking laws on the books, but they couldn't pay for it. I didn't have the funds, being a layman's person in the universe, and they estimated it would take two to two and a half years and a pretty decent budget to make it happen, but they would really appreciate that. And I didn't have any bandwidth in my trauma arc of trying to repair myself. In hindsight, I wish I had been somebody who had the means because boy would I have loved that and I mean I've offered myself multiple times now to like you need me to talk about something you want me to speak on something you want me to come to a private group you want me to like write a post like whatever let me know I'll I'll help you out but it it would have been a federal event but they needed to build that at the time it was very different what I can say about this human since then is that um one of my, ironically, one of my safe houses um, became a girlfriend of his. She knew everything about my case. And I, again, this speaks to the charismatic nature of certain people. Just follow your intuition, people. Um, but she was able to, because it was enough years later, and he followed a very similar pattern and ended up doing the same thing to her. She did move in with him. God, Lord only knows. I didn't ever live with him. Um officially that is at least but she was able to get it on the books and he was brought up on felony charges um he's been on one of those shows like i don't remember whatever those shows on like 48 hours i don't to catch a motherfucking asshole <laughs> that one mm. that's definitely the one he was on <laughs> i've never seen it have no interest i remember of the faded call when she called me asking me if i would do it with her and i was like not in your freaking not in a million years because is i don't he in need prison to- he 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 was i'm being dramatic using these words because i don't know what all the best legal words are but he was banished he was not allowed to be in la and his family was in florida i think at this time he as i knew him he was living in were brought up in michigan but he was relegated to florida for a period of time and i honestly don't track him exactly right so I don't know my friends for a long time were reporting to me on his whereabouts so he could still be doing damage to oh could be I have no idea what his situation is on jail time on paroles on really whether I know he had to wear a tracker for a while supposedly I heard but again I chose not to follow up the last time he did reach out to me I think it was in 20 
last time I heard from him and it was like a broken record. It was literally the same words that he texted. He found me on a dating site and, um, and sent a private message and it was almost verbatim the last things he had said to me in person, which was really creepy. Um, and it was just very, that pining, longing, like trying to hook somebody. And it just, like being able to see through it so fast was really nice. Um, mildly disconcerting. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. This is just another peg in the box of why online dating is not my cup of tea. <laughs> and the fact that he could find you. Oh, he's like, that's what I mean. But that's his skill set, right? So you know, we all have our strengths. Do we use them for good or evil? <laughs> wow. I'm yeah. so sorry you had to go through all that. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I mean, again, best thing that ever happened to me. It's really interesting to say that, but honest to God, I would never have seen all the countries. I would never have lived in these incredible places. I probably maybe would not have like be sitting here with you with this connection like just it's exploded some of my favorite like I love humans I love the world I love getting to know other places and I would never have drunk as much of that like you know world wine if if that had not happened I I think I was so like career-minded like gotta do more be more like like work more and now I'm like no I gotta live more do you find yourself able to love now oh, oh easily I I that's sweet that you asked that um I find two camps in the world like there are a lot of camps and different things right so I find love is one of those camps that I have met people who have no trouble loving again and that is I'm definitely in that camp I learned that early early on in my life which I'm grateful for or I know people who are stuck in in whatever broke them and they have a hard time trusting trusting and yeah if anything I could use to maybe <laughs> lean a little more in that direction but like I said I learn from everything so I'm not it doesn't worry me. So, yeah. What a story. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're safe now. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. Well, and it's learning to trust. Like I said, it's opened so many doors that not having boundaries and not having, not even having conversation around that, right? Like, why would you ever need boundaries? Like, what are boundaries for? You know, boundaries sound so limiting. Like, all these bizarre conceptions. Do you think that he has ever had a moment of self-reflection between then and now to say why do I behave this way what what is the trigger I point? really hope so I mean I do I I remember because I made a lot of mistakes too in my weaning from him so even breaking up with him it took me through th six years of restraining order I made a lot of mistakes then. Like, I still pined for him. I still was caught up in jealousy with him when he was dating other people. I I was, you know, like, again, no saintliness in any of this for me. I'm still my own human making mistakes and trying to learn. And why am I still attached to this person? And is attachment love? So a lot of those, like, Codependence Anonymous, one of the best 12-step programs I have ever participated in. And I've participated in multiple of them. But that really taught me like what we're mistaking like one of the things of you know 
anonymous groups is like, what do we accept in the place of something? So like, what am I mistaking for love? Am I mistaking sex for love in this case? Am I mistaking, you know, just attachment for love? Like what really is love? So it also, it also allowed me a lot of room to expand on what's real love and what's just like fantasy or addiction. I think we project a lot onto the other person. Like, why won't you love me? Why won't you love me? How can you love this other person and not me? Yeah. And the bottom line is, it's in those cases, I think it has very little to do with the other person, even mm-hmm. though our brain is telling us or our heart is telling us it does, that it's actually all it 100%. is is about how we feel about ourselves. Always starts so and annoying. ends with you. <laughs> With you, meaning with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that goes back to this, like <laughs> Edith, 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 Eva, Eager. I can't even do it three times real fast. <laughs> yeah, that's her. That's her it biggest like arc. A phrase. It's like <laughs> past, present, and future. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 always home. Like whatever, it's my whole thing of wherever you carry it. Like I, if I had a hundred dollar bill, like here's a little funny thing I'll throw in. For every person, a lot of women, men too, who tell me, oh, if you just settled down, you would find your man, like Ricky would find. And I was like, that man, like I will eat him up and spit him out. I was like, no, he's not my person. My person is okay with like me traveling the world and whatever. And the day that I want to like settle down, I will. No problem. Because your first love is the world. It's My first love is the world. You and are a child of Tomorrow the world. I might settle down. Tomorrow you might talk to me and I'll be like, hey, wait, I just I just refell in love with Los Angeles and I, you know, met this guy and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give it a try and maybe I'll be here forever. I don't write any like have tos to make A plus B does not equal C in my world. A plus B equals infinity. Like do whatever you wanna do. Like, everything is so personal. It's like art, right? Let me bring that back. It's totally subjective. Absolutely. I read something the other day that really struck me. It said, uh, to all those people who say, uh, in order to have love, you first have to love yourself. And, I mean, I do see that, and I agree with that, but also the, the sentiment of this thing that I read said, but the people that haven't learned how to self-love are also deserving of love. Yeah. It may look different. And I thought, wow, that, that'll blow your brain right out. You know, it's like, yes. Oh, that's so good. You know, of course, of course, everyone is deserving. And I, I think the struggle, the greatest struggle, it's easy to love someone else. The, the struggle is loving ourselves. The struggle is also looking into the eyes of someone who loves you and understanding why. Mm-hmm. Why do you love me? Yeah. Why? What is? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Yeah. And then that attachment gets formed, as you call it, codependence. I think that's a great word for it. But really, it's almost a, a conspiratorial, like, you're seeing this thing that I want to see. Yeah. And maybe if I stick around long enough, oh. I'll see it too. The thing oh. that's making you love me. Even yeah. if it's damaged or whatever adjective yeah. you want to throw upon it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge I use the word partnership more than relationship mm. these days. It's a practice for me more than anything. It's Love not is like a practice. Yeah, mm. correct. And it all hinges on what you're talking about, which is how do we relate to one another? Right? So it's like you know if something's healthy or not. Same way that I'm saying like eating is my biggest addiction. 
I know if I am putting that fast food in my mouth versus if I'm putting whatever else that's a healthy choice, I know my body is going to like have a reaction. But we still sometimes are like, but it tastes so good, mm. right? It feels so good. Hitting the dopamine. I think it's good. Yeah. But is it? It's all personal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. Like, how's it hitting you? And then that room for compromise or that room for um, just just connection, right? How are you going to be together? You know, if you're like, even though I know some people who fight and fight and fight and fight, and they're like, oh, we just love fighting it. Like, we get to let it out. I'm like, that works for some people, but that not is not a great pattern necessarily to promote. Mm. Like, you just got to hone in on you. Mm-hmm. So you know if it's good or not. And I wish they taught that. I wish they taught, I've done my share of trauma work and Soma stuff, and I really wish that we were taught more to listen to our bodies. By listening to your body, I do not mean, how are you gonna think through this? I mean, really listening to your body. You know, the obvious ones are like, God, my stomach just turns, or the hair stood up on the back of my neck. Yeah, but school is is there to turn you into a worker bee. It's not there to get you in touch with your own feelings or sense of self, because that's the last thing, the power, and that sounds like conspiracy, but it is the last thing that the powers that be want. Yeah, Yeah. you don't don't want self-actualized humans running around, God forbid. (laughs) Then what happens? Free range, self-actualized humans. I'm just seeing oh it. Oh my god! It's like a new movie. It's a Truffaut movie. I don't uh, know. <laughs> so it sounds it sounds terrifying to the powers that be. I'm sure. Yeah. And so yeah, that I agree with you. I think there are a lot of skills that I wish were were taught. Yeah, me too. I have hope for the future, though. Again, positivity person here. I uh, I can't not. I just like I can't not have hope and faith probably it's my star signs and everything like converging together I'm like it will we will we will figure it out and who knows we may or may not (laughs) yeah it's anybody's guess at this point and if this is an elaborate computer program that's running itself yeah 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 yeah. more power to it I I often find myself Me just too. making little side jokes with... I do that a lot. Yeah, with the Matrix. Like, oh, good one, Matrix. Yeah, and that's like me. I do that with Matrix and reincarnation. I'm like, ooh, maybe I can come back and I'll be this. And then I'll get to do that instead. Like, maybe I'll come back and I'll be a bird. And then I can just like... The flying thing is like, don't have to pay for it. It's going to be a totally different uh, When thing. they figure out teleportation, I'm 100% in. Me yeah. too. That and sex robots, because it seems easier. I don't know. That's just me, though. I just, I've got a movie club. Uh, do a shout out to the person who started this because they named it Co-Bids uh, that started at the top of COVID. And um, we've been meeting on Zoom ever since then. And Ex Machina is mm. one of the films. And I've never seen it. I don't know how I never saw that. Anyway, that's one of our Have you seen backs. her? Yes, it's another one of my favorites. Yeah, excellent stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what is coming for you? Yeah. Oh, she. Which one is she? she? I think it's called she. They're going to run out of pronouns. It's ScarJo. It has ScarJo. It's like super. Uh, just makes me like get all 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 flattered. She is a beautiful woman. Stunning That's a woman I like to sit and drink tequila with. Me too. Mm -hmm. For sure. Will you please make sure I get an invite to that tequila jam? If if Um. I get invited (laughs) to hang out with Scarlett Johansson. Is it called she? What the heck is that called? I feel like like she would be 
very philosophical in nature. Yeah. I don't know her for Adam, but I'm just saying that. Uh, and that wasn't a, a joke with that and driver movie, but I don't I don't know him either. Oh, but another, I'm just saying that she, another she's tequila one jam. of those. Uh, there's something about her energy that I feel like oh she'd be like a, a good gal to uh-huh. hang out with yeah. And, yeah. and talk about the universe. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's some of those. Yeah. I mean, famous people are just people. You know. They are. Absolutely. They're just like us. Yeah. <laughs> no. But for real, I think I often think that that's how I. Somehow, if somebody had told me that I would be working around VIPs when I was in high school, I would have been like, get out of here. So that's the weird, because so I'm like you. Trippy. I have met now many of the people happen? that I grew up thinking, wow, that's the clue. And exactly. Then, and, you know, you sit down, you have lunch with them, and you're talking about the most banal things in the whole world. And for a minute there, you think, wait, what? Why am I sitting here with this person? That That's yeah. a very strange, yeah. surreal moment. Occasionally, that hits me, and I'm like, oh. But and I'm talking to reminder. the Matrix. It's it a good reminder We're that just humans. we're just all, uh, the, one of my favorite sayings in the whole world, so we're all just watch, walking each other home. Yeah, there That's you it. Go. That's all we're doing. And we're just one. mirroring back at each other. Correct. Reflection's a big deal of it. Yeah. That goes back to the relationship partnership thing for me, too. I'm yeah. like, is this person reflecting how I want to feel and how I want to think and how I want to be in the world? Mm. Because right away, you'll know. Mm. Like, if you're spinning... If you're spinning often, that is not how I want to be in the world. That is exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. Hitting the pan- the panic and the what if button constantly is, yeah. a, is not a healthy feeling. Mm-mm. Yeah. In my humble opinion. Other people might thrive on it. down with your humble opinion. Yeah, no. for sure. Well, what's coming for you? What's next? This is a great question. Um, if you know. <laughs> I was going to say, often I've gotten that text actually from a couple of people in the last week and they're like, so what's fall look like for you? And I'm like, um, you mean the next two weeks? Sorry. Um, sometimes I know and sometimes I don't. I am shopping for my next contract gig. There's some really interesting things brewing that I'm hopeful, but I've also taken a step back on learning. It's funny, I'm doing this like hand wiping thing as I'm saying this to you, I'm just noticing that. Think in visuals sometimes um, or often that like one, one is like a faith in media conversation that they want to engage on the convention podcasting press and political level which I I really love diving into big big ideas the other one is a similar global conversation of agreement or not I'm being a little bit elusive because these things haven't launched yet um, and then the other one is wanting to establish, uh, I might get my hands in on wanting to establish a film studio in the Balkans. And what I like about the ideas that I'm trying to hold space for working in is not just using my skills because I have them, but using my skills because I want to apply them, if that makes sense. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, okay, VIP access, I'm really good on the phone and I really know how to get to somebody and I know how to like walk people through that experience and I know what to do with it once they secure it and what they need to prepare for and all those things. I like being able to apply those skills that I used to do as a personal assistant or even in managing an event coordination and talent escort and all that stuff and apply them on a whole more engaging level where we're going to overlap with good for the world, integrity, um, 
and maybe actually solving some things mm-hmm. that that are messed up mm-hmm. on our planet um but holding space for more cohesiveness more togetherness more inclusivity more empowerment are you interested in politics yeah i enjoy it but i have never i've been very clear i never wanted to go into it full-time so i've dabbled around it like i remember working on the edwards campaign and the Kerry campaign and the obama campaign but never full-time and full-time for me immediately i get this so i think feel in my body so i get this ick in my throat um because i feel like the voices are more tampered um there's another project that i'm hoping to meet somebody with uh possibly tomorrow for an actual like career interview who is really a woman who's seems like a badass i've just met her but wanting to tackle the roe v wade conversation and i have a personal like stake in that with being very grateful for having the freedom to make a choice that i made as much as i always wanted kids and made a hard decision when i was 40 of all ages and having an abortion and so i got very engaged with just looking at the website she's created and how she wants to really empower education around that and like what's happened with that being taken away and the concerns with that so things like that like big ideas and wanting to support the world that's i'm yeah i'm hopeful i'm hopeful to get some work out of that in the coming years i feel like people think that that choice is made willy-nilly and a lot goes into it and the people that i am friends with who have had abortions both for i don't want this child or you know or this all different reasons and other people because medically it would have uh yeah yeah would have hurt them and yeah I, i think that's just such an important message to get out there yeah that it's about firstly dominion over our own bodies correct is paramount yeah Exactly. I'm preaching to the choir there, but I, yeah. you know, I no, think that's good such, to be said. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an important thing to say that it's it's not just about kids, no kids. There's a whole level yeah. of it's a spider web of reasons. Yeah. And I am pro life and pro choice. That's what I like to say at the well, same time. I think time. you can be both those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I am like all. Nobody's things. running around trying to like. Oh, I'm gonna have an abortion! Yay! I mean, exactly. That's not, that's I don't know one single person that has ever had a yay with that. Mm-mm. I don't know single one. Mm-mm. And I know a lot of people that have faced that choice, mm-hmm. self included. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. And thank God you were able to do it safely. That's my point. Is that 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 has been stripped from so many people in our country, not to mention people in other parts of the world that I know that Most are especially. forced exactly yeah. into really dire uh, situations around that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that gets at heartstrings. So I like heartstrings work. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about the a starting point? No. What is I that? I feel like you would be interested in something like that. Oh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you when, when we're done okay, here, good. but it might be something that you'd be interested in. I appreciate it's, that. It's, I feel like it marriages all sorts of things, you okay. know, the, the politics, but also from a a more philosophical and, and conversational oh, nice. place instead okay. of a browbeating politic place. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'll show you the website. After. No, that yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah, I often think of semi sidebar, not really, it's personal, but when I started blogging, what's come out of that is, um, you know, a challenge to myself to not be perfect, 
to not over edit myself, right? To remain authentic and to not give two shits, excuse the social world about followers and all these things, right? Just it's almost like public journal. And the reason I bring that up again is that what's come out of it for me are some stories that I've forgotten about myself, right? And how interesting that is that I could forget about things that have happened to me and how classic and normal that is as a human too, right? That like the world interrupts itself all the time and that we interrupt others and that what that does to a whole life experience. And then where do we want to remember good things? And then do we want to replicate them? And just like all these things tumble out of that for me. Um, But this conversation of what writing has given to me and what writing is to me might be music or, you know, piloting an airplane or whatever to somebody else, right? Like everybody's got their different thing, but there's something in writing, especially from therapy and other things that I have learned from people and that it expresses something. There's a release in it that often does initiate a certain level of like evolution or change or, or enlightenment for one's self. And a few girlfriends and I have talked at different times about, oh yeah, I would love to do this like writing retreat thing. And even if I did it like once a year, maybe if it wasn't my bread and butter and like I don't go about it because I get too too salesy and marketing in my head and I don't know what to do with it because it's not my that's not my skill set. I would need partnership in that area. But that that would be a contribution that I'm hoping in this latter half of my life to maybe engage that's similar along those lines of like write a book or don't write a book no maybe I just host writing retreats and encourage people to like show up and then do you dare do you dare read it aloud do you dare share it or are you just getting it out right there's something about that like release that gives us permission to then move on and get something else going in our life like we let it go then there's more space and there's so much power in storytelling and Gosh. owning your own story. Yeah, and like, hey, human. Hey, human. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big hey, fan. Hey, human. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And I saw that you also do photography, which yeah. is, uh, to me, <laughs> that's a magical gift as well because mm-hmm. it means that you're seeing things that maybe other people don't see. It's yeah. a voyeuristic and yeah. storytelling medium. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's and you, when you catch people in in their moments yeah. or whether they're posed and yet there's still things going yeah. on in the eyes that maybe have nothing to do with the picture. Yeah. I I love that. I also dig you bringing that up because I've been a hobbyist since I was a teenager, and my dad mostly picked up on it, which was sweet. And he gifted me a really nice then still camera um, upon graduation, and I sometimes kick myself like. I have zero regrets. I'm definitely one of those people. I don't believe in regrets. But even with the hardest things, just to, you know, reinforce that. But I often think I missed a calling in a photojournalism career or in, like, stock photography world, like, you know, making money or whatever. And then I think about it present moment, and that's part of what launched the blog, too, was it took me about a year into the blog writing and showing up for myself because I was panicking that I didn't have work at the time. And I was like, how do I make sure I don't get off my game? But then out of that evolved this, wow, I've got, like, 120,000 now, 140,000 at least photos, you know, that are digitized, not to mention the still ones that are buried in the storage unit to deal with 
and wow, okay, I can use them. Like most people use stock photos or photos from other sites. I was like, I have a stock photo library that is extensive. And so that's become another creative, playful way for me to apply something that I always thought was great. And I noticed such such a young age that I had a, an eye that was different from everyone else's. And I'll give a throw out to Jules Lennon again too, because I remember the first times that we would hang out because I worked remotely primarily and we would be in the same place when we needed to. And we would do these walks to places on streets of New York or LA or Paris or wherever we were in the world. And we would catch that we were both stopping, (laughs) maybe at a slightly different angle to get the same photos. And that was one of the first things when we met as friends, he talked about photography and I was like, show me your work. I had no idea who was a photographer. And he's such an incredible eye, such an accomplished photographer. And that there are people that the like that we're around and you forget that people have all these different points of view. Storytellers. Storytellers, man. But yeah, thanks for doing the photography throughout. I, I enjoy it. It's still just a hobbyist thing for me. And I really welcome it. And I learned about myself long ago, too, that I'm not, I never wanted to be a director. And I don't like being directed so much. It took me a few decades to realize that. Like, I'm a really great contributor. I'm a great inspiration person. I'm a great ideator. But I don't want to be told, and maybe that's just an aging thing too a little bit. I'll definitely own that part of it. But just that I would, that's why I don't think like writing or, or doing photography for assignment, not as much my happy place. I don't, I don't like to be boxed in. I'm really good at like, oh, here's your canvas. And it's everything, anything that you can come up with. Oh, okay, let's put that together. Put that into the soup and see what comes out. With that many images, you could be your own Getty Images. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> Throw that watermark on there uh-huh. and let people pay you to rent the Yeah, picture. I've thought about that. It's been on Smugbug for a long time and I haven't kept up my Smugbug account. And I really should do that at some point. Yeah. I love the idea. It's a good it's a good little nudge reminder. Thank you, Susan. I mean, if I had it, I don't know if you saw my little board over oh, here. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> the project's in process, and there's, what, 20 on it. there? It's crazy. Yeah, that's my Apple throwout. I've got more notes on my phone that are like, oh, here's this project, and oh, here's that too. reminder. I love it. Yeah. And Thousands maybe of making notes. This, that's what I was going to say. For the 12 576 <laughs> different notes on my Yep. On my iPhone. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, tell people how they might find you. Uh, they can find me my safely. Safely, people. Uh, I do have a Smug Mug account that's Braden's Eye. I mean, again, it's dated. It's not been updated. E Y E, I assume. Um, yes, E Y E. Thanks yeah. for noting that. B R A D E N. Yeah, B R A D E N, and it's Braden's with an S, oh. like as in I, as in like one eye. It's a classic throwback to like I as in point of view, and then I as in your photographer eye from old and still camera of course days. You're in the Illuminati. I'm in the Illuminati, of course. <laughs> and then, yeah, the blog is on Medium. Same thing. Braden's I B R A D E N S E Y. And no social media. I am on social media. Um, I have this really funny experience with Instagram currently where I bounce on and off a private account because it won't let me tag 
if it is not public. I'm not really sure if I'm only the only special human in the universe. This started about a year and a half ago with Instagram. and When Facebook I, bought them? I don't know any uh, yeah VIPs at Instagram, so I'm not willing to like tackle it. I just don't have the bandwidth. But yeah, I'm on, I'm just not as Brayden's eye, but as Brayden Kuhlman on Instagram and same on Facebook. But you'll probably need to know me every now and then. Yeah. I'll accept Instagram. I'll accept other people because it's mostly photography. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. appreciate you asking. That's cool. I always do a links page on HeyHumanPodcast.com. Oh, yeah. So every cool. guest. Uh, oh, nice. That's right. Listening, I forgot about that. Yeah. Can yeah. go to that website. Oh, yeah. And do more of a deep dive That's in the nice. conversation. So. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll definitely do the medium, the blog, because... There's some really, there's some choice stories about the stocking and about abortion and then all kinds of crazy positivity and randomness in my world. Great. I'll put that link on there as well. Thank you. That's really sweet. Yeah. That way, if people are driving or whatever while they're listening to the podcast, they don't have to... Yeah, people, don't don't be riding while you're driving. Yeah. I mean, I do. I hate to say it, but it's terrible. (laughs) There's something very poetic about driving that cadence oh i you just nailed cadence one of my favorite words absolutely Mm -hmm. so i get a lot of ideas that way i do too oh it's funny because when you're trying to drive i have a little notepad and Uh i'm not looking at it sort of like waking up in the middle of the night to make a note you wake up in the morning and you look at it and you think what monster wrote that? Yes. Well, I'm having a Liz Gilbert. I'm like having a like oh. circle back to a Liz Gilbert. Yeah. What's Practical is it magic. called? It big magic. Or big magic. Big magic. Sorry, right. I always say. Ooh, I love magical magic. magic. <laughs> oh, I love that we just brought that in. That's a that's, great book. That's epic. That's and a, a great movie. That is. I was gonna say kudos to both. Yeah. But yeah, big <laughs> magic. Like Tom Waits. Was it Tom Waits? She talks about chasing the tiger. I, yeah. The yes. tiger sale. I have those moments yeah. all the time. And it's so hard, especially when I'm driving. I'm like, no, 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 stay with me. Stay with me, yeah. ideas. Stay with me. Sometimes it's poetry. Away. They will go away. They I will have, find I've somebody myself else. taking a photograph of a, of a word I've or something, too. I've done that, too. too. Yeah. Again, my photos thing is insanely random. That's one of my biggest notes is under blog in my iPhone. And it mostly has, I think right now it probably has like 2,500 words they're just words because they come in and I'm like, oh, you've got my attention. I got it. I got it. You got my attention. Sometimes they become titles. Sometimes they just get woven in. For the 20 books Sometimes, you could probably write. Yeah, correct. That could be 20. Yeah. Maybe one day before I croak, it'll be 20. I'll do an encyclopedia of books. We need something to do when we're the little ladies. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Why not? Hopefully we'll have more of these conversations. Absolutely. <laughs> Brayden, thank you so much for coming over and having this talk. I'm and so grateful, Susan. Yeah, and everybody, thank you for listening. And yeah, if thanks, you are people. in a situation where you feel unsafe, yeah. uh, please seek someone to talk to that, that is someone that can help you. And I'll put links on heyhumanpodcast.com as well for some places you might go or reach out to if you are struggling or having difficulties uh your safety is paramount and uh absolutely take one conversation on a hotline Mm -hmm. just start with one yeah one small steps small steps is okay thanks for listening everybody bye rate review and subscribe to hey human podcast on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts thanks bye